Welcome everyone to the Talent Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle. Today we have a very special show for you. We have my guest, Mark Iorio. Mark, thanks for being here. Thanks, Rob. Great to be here. It's great to have you. Thanks. Uh, so, Mark is the founder of the Mega Group, also the managing partner of BCAP Partners, and he also is the host of Rainmakers Roundup and Talent Team Talks, not to be confused with Talent Talks. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Mark also sits on several boards and is a philanthropist. So, Mark, thanks for being here. Obviously, you have a diverse background, uh, and I may say maybe a little bit of an overachiever. I'm slightly jealous of you. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for being here, and uh, I want to hear more about, uh, you know, the Mega Group and BCAP Partners and, and sure. uh, you know, what you're doing with those organizations. Yeah, thanks, Rob. It's great to be here, man. I appreciate you having me and uh, talking about uh, the business and, and talent management and wherever, wherever the conversation goes. But uh, the Mega Group, I uh, started it uh, 33 years ago, 34 years ago, uh, mostly a marketing communications company. Uh, about 20 years ago, I had a bit of an epiphany when uh, one of our larger clients, uh, AAA Mid-Atlantic, asked us to come in and take a look at their internal brand. Uh, which is a little different than you know traditional marketing communications, which is mostly external, and uh, we really kind of uh, fell into it with them. Um, internal branding is a lot like culture, and, and, and that's what we call it these days. But uh, you know, it was the whole idea was the whole idea of uh, of getting in there was to get people to become brand ambassadors for their organization. In other words, delivering on the brand promise. And so, um, you know, for the next, you know, 15 or 20 years, uh, that's what we focused mainly on at the Mega Group. And about seven years ago, I met a partner of mine uh, for BCAT Partners, Al Sini. And Al was developing a, a scientific methodology of developing a gap between a brand and culture of an organization. Um, so he was kind of going at it, you know, about it at, at the organizational change management side, and I was on the marketing communications side. So we, uh, we basically merged our ideas and uh, came up with the Brand and Culture Alignment Toolkit, which helps people uh, identify the gap between their brand and culture. I think that that's uh, an extremely important point, and I want to get back to that. Uh, I want to talk more about brand and culture for sure, uh, but first I want to hear a little bit about your journey. Obviously, you know, you've been in business for 30, 35 years here, uh, been very successful throughout your career. Uh, so can you take me back a little ways? Why did you even get into business for yourself and tell us a little bit about the ride? That's a great question, Rob. Thanks. Uh, um, I actually worked for, um, coming out of college in uh, the late 70s, I, I went to work for a a fairly large manufacturing company and I really loved it. I, it was kind of like my uh, foray in, in, into the MBA world, you know, in a sense. Uh, but I was hungry, like a lot of young people are, to, to earn more money. And so... Um, You're not allowed to talk about that. I, I can't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, Just so cap, capitalism, right? right. Um, it's a good thing. So I, um, I kind of got promoted a number of times at, at this organization. It was uh, GTE Sylvania. 
and one fellow came in and we were talking about uh, the marketing and printing business and anyway long story short he recruits me to come and work for this company in Ben Salem Pennsylvania not too far from here and I did that for a number of years about five years I became the number two salesperson in the organization and then one day uh, he walked into my office and I looked at him and he said I'm leaving and I said, where do you think you're going? And he said, well, they just fired three people that worked for me, and I was getting an override on their commission. And so I said, okay, I'm listening. Where are we going? So we left, and uh, we, we started walking around a park over in Lawrence Township, New Jersey. And he said, I'm serious about this, and I want to start a business. And uh, we ended up with um, the acronym is Mark Earl Graphics Associates. That's MEGA. M-E-G-A, okay. and we quickly evolved into the mega group, which uh, became a, a marketing company, a marketing communications company. Uh, it grew from the three of us, so uh, Earl and myself and a business uh, manager. I uh, got it up to 85 people and sold uh, most of it off at the end of 2017. Um, and, uh, you know, I do a lot of consulting now on, on the, you know, the brand, the brand and culture side. So. Uh, it was an, an interesting journey, uh, a lot of mistakes, a lot of, um, you know, ups and downs, uh, you know, hitting uh, the 2000 mark, you know, um, when the internet bubble burst back at the end of 99 was a real difficult time, 2008 was a real difficult time, um, you know, and so you, you, you learn to kind of live with those, that roller coaster ride and not an easy journey, but uh, I'm, I'm better off for it these for days. For sure. Yeah. yeah, but I think that's as entrepreneurs, we all face these challenges and challenging times, whether it be okay. current state or 2008, and yeah. I kind of lived through that as well. It wasn't fun to sell during this time, so no. I'll say that much, uh, for sure. While we're talking about challenges, why don't we go into uh, talent challenges? I mean, for whether it be your own organization or, or some of your clients, what are some of the biggest uh, talent challenges that you see? Rob, I made so many mistakes in hiring people um, when I was running my business. Uh, I wish I had known then what I know now. So my, an old college baseball coach used to say that to me all the time. I wish I knew then what I knew yeah. now. I'd be in the major leagues. But, uh, um, you know, just a lot of it was trying to hire people that looked like me or, or, or acted like me or, you know, former athletes or you know, people that were in sales that, you know, were really going to convert over to what uh, what I did for a living. And it it rarely worked. It um, the, the the success stories that I've had and I you know, when you when you hire 85 people and you get to a point where you have 85 people and I went through my HR files and realized that probably over that 25 year period or more, I probably had 200 and some people go through the doors right uh, but a lot of it was word of mouth you know finding the right people who fit the profile of the organization uh, I didn't I wish I knew uh, about culture then about real culture then and what it meant uh, but I did and so I did make a lot of mistakes and what ended up happening Rob honestly is that I hired some really bad people um, and people that were you know, out to uh, to take uh, take what you had, uh, not build it for themselves, but try to infiltrate the organization. And it's and that's that was a lack of vetting. It was a lack of those antennae that we all have 
that unfortunately we don't use. We ignore those things sometimes and, and, and it comes back to haunt you. And you know, rather than looking for people who are good people first, you know, I'm looking for people that can fill a gap or fill a hole. And you know, in, in almost like a panic situation, a creative director leaves and then you go find a creative director that you think is gonna fill the slot and he turns out to be one of the worst people on the planet. You know, just really evil. So, you know, you learn a lot. And, and I think I told you this before, one of the shows, Team Talk, is about inclusivity and diversity. Um, that's what we look for, people who are doing that. I've learned some great lessons uh, from people who are recruiting great talent there. Um, and of course, with my business with BCAT Partners, uh, I can talk about that and how organizations really when they're aligned, you know, and your culture and your brand meet like a Tiffany, like a uh, Southwest Airlines, uh, like Ritz-Carlton. The reason people want to go buy from those companies is the same reason they want to go work for those companies. Do you feel like when those the brands are aligned for those great companies, when the, the culture and the brand, it makes it easier for them to recruit top talent? Because obviously top talent's going to go to the best 100% right? of the time, yeah, and I think, I think it's because they're, they're true to a purpose. They have a, a, a purpose that they strive for, a North Star in a sense, and um, you know, they don't waver from that. They, they care about, look, it's, it's not about the same values that or platitudes that you hear about all the time. You know, we're trustworthy, we're honest, we're, we have integrity. That's not what I'm talking about, because everyone says that. I'm talking about real, honest, I care, you know, I care about you as a person, I care about your family, I want to see you strive and, and succeed and become the best version that you could possibly be of yourself. And so when those organizations do that and they follow that purpose, yeah, people want to go buy from them, they want to go work for them, and they want to stay there. Yeah, I think that's a great point to be, you know, purpose driven in what you do and not just saying this is us, you know, we trust each other, we're transparent, whatever it may be, because mm -hmm. anybody can say that, right? Right. But how do you actually do that as an organization? How do you line things up so that your brand and your culture match up? Yeah, it's funny and you say that. I'm getting too much into, nope. we have, if we have to start paying you for this advice. No, 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 no. <laughs> good, good point. Uh, I had a client on the phone yesterday, and he said, "You know, uh, one of our one of our big problems is before you got involved here, we had something called you know our our value system, you know our get results value system. Well, what's get results mean?" And I said, "I don't know. You tell me. You tell me, Steve. What does it mean?" And he said, "I don't know. No one no one in the organization really knows what gets results mean means." So. What we do, Rob, is we sit down and say, okay, here are the values that this business holds true, right? Um, what are the things that you can do that get you closer to that North Star? You were a baseball player, right? Yep. So I'm going to use the Yankees for an, as an example. I know you might be a Phillies fan, but you know, we're, <laughs> we're going to use the Yankees for No problem. A lot of players in Major League Baseball would love to put those pinstripes on sure. and play for that team. Why? Why? Because they win. Because they win. They have a culture of winning. Yeah. They they are true to their the family in that organization, and they have you know they have great heritage. 
So what we try to do is we try to say, what are the things that you need to do in order to, to be the best teammate on this team, perform at the very, very highest level, and contribute to an organization the way you know, the organization needs you to contribute. And when that happens, you know, you're fulfilled, <clears throat> you're engaged with your work, it's contagious. When you come into contact with people that, that see you as happy as you are about the work that you're doing and is fulfilled and you have this level of gratitude, they, they look at you and say, you know what, I, I think Rob's doing a great job here, I'm going to go work with him. And that's how that works. So obviously getting the, the whole team to commit to that purpose is important, right? Mm -hmm. How hard is it to get them to kind of be on on the obviously you know as an entrepreneur we can figure out what our, what our purpose is right but then how do you implement that to the rest of the team to really embody that great question um, so you're not you're not obviously going to get everyone on board um, you'll say that you know everyone climb in the boat everyone row in the same direction row in the right direction sing from the same sheet of music. There will be people that say, you know what, I'm not in, I'm, I'm, I'm out, I'm not going to be part of this, I can't be part of this, this is not something that I can do. And they self-select out of the organization a lot of times. Um, what happens is because it's embedded in the performance and appraisal side of HR um, and your, your, your peers and also your superiors, they see that. They understand that you're not in. You're, you're, it's like a poker game, Rob. It's like, I'm either all in or I'm not in. Right. And if you're not in, then you're out. And it's okay to be out. It's just okay. But you're not, you know, part of this culture. That's fine. Remove yourself from that or we'll help you, you know. Yeah. And I've, I've seen it happen a lot over the last 20 years that, you know, people feel like they're not appreciated or that they don't feel like they fit in the organization and, and they'll just leave. Yeah, I've noticed that uh, throughout even my own career, you know, when the culture that I'm interested in looking for align with what the culture has to offer, mm -hmm. it's easy. Right. You know, I kind of fit right in. And obviously, if you like working for, you know, the company you're with, you're, you know, you're going to want to grow your career there. And if not, it's, it's not so fun. Right. It's not, it's not fun at all, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so it's tough. But I guess, you know, from a, what are your thoughts from an engagement standpoint you know best practices around how to get your team engaged in another good question so when we go about doing this and you feel like there's a purpose and and people do care about you i mean honestly care about you and it's not just lip service or platitudes then you feel like you're engaged in the work that you're involved in right you uh, actually what happens with us we've done 9400 of these bcats over the last seven and a half years um, we go from an average of 31% engagement with, with clients to 64% engagement. Now, we used, used to use the Gallup Q12 study, which is a series of 12 questions that, that they ask as to whether or not you feel like your uh, superior has your back, mm -hmm. you feel like you're part of a team, all that stuff. And they're important questions. So we go from 31% to 64%, meaning people really do get engaged in their work. And it shows. So now what happens is instead of working in a silo or, you know, you've got this passive-aggressive behavior inside your organization, 
um, or just caring about yourself, all of a sudden it becomes a more collaborative team. You know, now I look at you and say, hey Rob, you know, I know you're working on that project over there. If you need my help, let me know because I've had experience doing that. Rather than, I don't care about what the heck Rob's doing, you know, he's, you know, he's on his own. He's getting paid. They pay him. They pay him well. And, but now, all of a sudden, you start to break these silos down and the team becomes more collaborative. Um, and that's what happens when, when engagement rises. Productivity goes up. Uh, we do have a calculator that shows value, actually, of the business going up. And it's, um, it's gratifying because, you know, it's not that productive, productive employees become happy. Happy employees do not become productive. It's, it's, not, it's right. not the opposite. People are not like, I can't wait to go to work. And then you go to work and you hate the job, you know, and you become more productive. It's the other way around. So as you become more productive, you're happy. You go home, you're happy with your, your family. Yeah. Just think about a job. If you had a job in your past career where, you know, it wasn't fun to, to go into work, right? Yeah. What happens? You take that home with you. Take it home, and when you wake up in the morning, you don't want to come to work. Right. And it's just, what's my issue going to be today? Or just punch the clock. Yeah. And just exactly. get in and out. When you're engaged, you feel like today has a meaning behind it. Yeah. You can jump out of bed versus, oh man, I gotta get another yeah. morning. You have this passion. You want. Yeah. You want to do something. How How much you mentioned? You know, the, a leader having your back, right? So that that feeds into safety, right? Safety in the workplace, and and uh, making sure that you're you think that your leaders are, are doing the best for, for you uh, in your career and they mean the best for you. How big of a, uh, a role do you think that plays? Uh, you know, I mean, especially now, right, we've got COVID-19 going on, we've got all kinds of things going on in the world, and it's important for the employees to feel like they're cared about. You know, empathy is huge, man. I don't think a lot of people understand what that means and how you kind of empathize for someone else. It's not sympathy, it's empathy. And, and that is putting yourself in the other person's shoes so that, you know, if they're, if they're dealing with a sick child or a sick parent or a sick spouse or whatever, sick, uh, significant other, how do, I, how do I put myself in their position to say, you know what, I'm gonna let them telecommute. I'm gonna let them come in late. I'm gonna let them work late or leave early or whatever it is that they need to do, you know, so that, they become a more engaged employee. They know I've got their back, and it's not just again nonsensical lip service. I, if if you don't have empathy for employees, it shows number one because right. people think, well, this they don't care about me. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just not fair. It's not fair to the employee. It's not fair to the to the business. And you're you're probably going to end up losing them. Not maybe not leaving the company. But they will they will mentally check out if if they're not feeling as though you care about them. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And it's interesting as as a leader, even if you're a selfish leader, mm -hmm. you should want your employees to do better. You should give them that training and development. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's how you're going to elevate yourself, right? Yeah. If everybody's being successful together, then that's how we we grow. Right. Um, so it's, it's an interesting approach, um, which leads me to, to talent management. What are some unique talent management strategies you've seen from, you know, whether it's your own company or some of your clients? Great question. Uh, another, another good one. Uh, you know, so that the, 
you know, you, you live and learn, right? You learn some things over the years. Um, I, I, uh, I spoke to someone uh, about a month ago, and he's got a, um, uh, an IT business, right? And, you know, he has, I don't think he's lost a, 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 an employee since he started, which is 2011. So that's 10 years. Okay. No, one employee. Hasn't lost an employee. That's impressive. So I said, I said to him, what's, your, what's the secret? And he said, we are 100%, I don't know if I can do this, honestly, but we're 100% transparent with everything we do in the organization. So I said to him, what do you mean by that? And he said, I, exactly what I said. Everyone knows what everyone makes, their bonus structure, their vacations, they see the P&L every day. They see the balance sheet every day. Uh, they know, you know, I, what I make as an organizational, you know, pr the president or founder. Um, I'm like, wow, that's that's different. And he said, when people make decisions, they can make decisions based on. They, they don't have to come to me, so I empower them to make decisions based on what they have in front of them in terms of the profitability of the business. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. That's really unique. Now, that is kind of an open, you know, an open book policy, which, um, I, you, know, you know, in my, maybe in my narrow mind, Rob, maybe, maybe it backfires in my head. I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, if they find out what everyone else is making, are they going to start, you know, talking? Right. It's not a, it, as far as I know, a popular model. I, no. That's the first time I've ever heard of the company. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and, and, you know, I, as I said, I run my business for 34 years and prior to that I worked in other companies, so it's not like, you know, I'm a novice at this, but, you know, the, the other thing is that um, when you look at talent management and grooming people to, as you said, take over the next role, um, that is, you've got to have that feeling that you really do care about that person. You're recognizing that they can get to the next level and you're going to groom them to get to that next level. And if you have that mindset, then, you, you know, you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to keep people. Um, you know, the other side is that uh, with, with regard to talent management is that, you know, as you, as you recruit people, you bring them on and not just hand them like a business card and say, okay, Rob, you're on your own. Uh -huh. There's got to be some level of engagement in the organization so that they know what role they play in the broader team, right? Again, back to sports, you come on the team, if I'm honest with you, and say, Rob, you're going to be our right fielder, and you're going to bat cleanup, and I'm not getting you out of there unless something drastic happens. Okay, do you know what batting cleanup means? To the team, do you know what playing right field means and what you have to do out there and how you have to communicate with second baseman, the first baseman, the center fielder? Um, you know, and and if you have all of that knowledge as you get on to that new team, then you feel like, wow, okay, I better play my role. I, they're looking to me as a leader in my in, in that respective position, and I've got to excel. I've got to do whatever I can. Eat right, exercise right, you know, take extra batting practice, take extra, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. So that's that's the kind of talent management I think that is is missing in a lot of companies, frankly. 
I think people are just kind of thrown to the wolves and they're asked to do something that maybe they're not really sure of. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that it, um, you know, coming in from day one or, or you know, whether it's day one or, or a year into your career with a company, knowing what your expectations are, knowing how to communicate that to the, the employees, that's another thing, right? You, I could have this list, but does the employee actually understand what this list of, of you know, their scorecard is? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do they know what they have to do day in and day out? Right. Um, and I want to get your opinion too on 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 that piece of engagement, right? So it's engagement both sides. Have you noticed at all that it's harder with employees being remote to be engaged with that company and that culture? So obviously, we've recently all went remote at some point, unless you're in a manufacturing facility or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was always my worry uh, in having employees work, work remote. But you know, are we going to be able to train and develop them correctly? Are we going to be able to build this team environment um, while they're you know not here? Right. So. Interesting, interesting point about uh, culture, right? If you get in front of your computer, if you go down to your office at home, whatever, wherever that might be, in the kitchen or an actual office, or you go to a physical office, pretend that for a minute you're putting that GTS hat on, right? Regardless of where you are, you're still in that culture. If you're in front of your computer, you've got the hat on. If you come into a physical building, you've got the hat on. And if you're taught that, then it's, it's a lot easier to understand that culture, whether you're remote or whether you're physically in the building. Now, you know, the whole idea, this whole Zoom thing, I think, or, or you know, interactive video, mm -hmm. in my opinion, has been a godsend. Because a lot of times, you know, you're now in front of people that you ordinarily wouldn't be in front of. And you know, it ha you have an opportunity here. I think businesses have a great opportunity to take advantage of the fact that they can shape and mold their culture remotely even more effectively than they, they will in, you know, when people are together. And I'll tell you why that is. Because when people are together, they automatically feel like they're busy just doing things that are not really effective or important. But they're milling around and, oh, I'm in a meeting, or I'm, I'm doing this, or I'm busy doing that. You can't get away with that on Zoom or on WebEx or right. you know, Google, Google Hangout. So there's an opportunity there for leaders to really latch on to uh, a culture and drive it today. And I don't think it's going to change. I think it's going to continue. It's an interesting, interesting perspective for sure as we, we see it all has just changed over the past uh, year here. It has, yeah. It has sure. dramatically. What advice do you have, um, and, I, and I want it on both ends, right? I want it on advice you would give uh, the younger Mark in his career, mm -hmm. you know, looking back on it, right? Obviously, you've learned a lot of things. You've had levels of success. What advice would you give to the young career professionals? Well, surround yourself with, uh, with people you trust. Uh, number one, and uh, that whole know, like, and trust uh, idea is uh, is really overused. But I think a lot of young professionals do not know exactly what that means. You think that you know, like, and trust someone, but until you get burned, I mean, it, it's uh, it's kind of an eye opener. 
So be around or surround yourself with people that can help you and that support you and that can elevate you and that are part of your, your circle. Um, if you aspire to, to dream and to do something uh, that is, you know, a little bit uh, beyond what you think you can do, then get around someone who's going to build you up and not tear you down. Yep. You know, people that really care about you are going to build you up and support you always. They're going to tell you what, whether or not you're off course, doing something right or wrong, but they're there to catch you. And uh, that's what you want to do. You want to be around people like that. Yeah, it's really great advice in general. I think that that is one of the most important pieces of advice that younger career professionals don't understand. It's mm -hmm. go get mentors, be around people who have the sec the level of success that you want for yourself in your life. Yeah. Learn from them. Right. Do what they're doing. Figure out how to do what they're doing, and then go do it yourself. Yeah. Replicate it. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's really important. And then go mentor others. I think mm -hmm. that's uh, you know a big thing as well. That's you know a great way for us all to yeah, learn is sure. give that advice out to people. Um, so how about for you? What what makes you tick? What's driving you every day of the week here? Um, I, there, there's a couple of things, Rob. One is, um, you know, we're just not business people. We're, we're, uh, we, we, like, we have hobbies, sports, we like doing different things, family, faith. Um, you know, I, I, I get a lot out of helping my kids. Uh, my daughter's 28, my son's 25. I love that. My wife's a great lady. Um, and, uh, but I also uh, like giving back to the community. So, you know, I've been involved in uh, the Rotary Club since 1990. Uh, about seven and a half years ago, I uh, was, was asked to chair a fledgling um, nonprofit called TDI Connect, where we started by collecting a handful of computers from corporations and uh, universities and uh, stripping out the hard drive, putting in a new hard drive and loading up a Linux-based operating system and then finding individuals in the community that needed them. And it's got to 200. And uh, last year, this uh, past year, 2020, we gave away 1,254 computers. Wow. Um, so, and, and then we're, you know, we're raising... And where are these computers, where do they go to? We, uh, we work with uh, over 40 nonprofits in the Mercer County, Camden, and Philadelphia regions, right? So we try to go through nonprofits, Rob, because a lot of times trying to go to an individual and giving them out to individuals is very difficult. So we have relationships with, with large nonprofits like uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Boys and Girls Clubs. Uh, um, the Trenton Literacy Movement, uh, there's a big operation that's run by Jay Bagley in Philadelphia that we, uh, a, a Christian organization that we go through. So it's, uh, it's just a number of nonprofits who identify families who do not have access to a computer. So we're trying to, we're trying to build or bridge the digital divide in yeah. a sense. Um, we have relationships with T-Mobile, with Comcast, so that um, you know, it's not just getting a computer, you need to get internet access in order to access, you know. To do anything with to it. To do anything with right, it, right. So that's, that's, been, uh, that's been very gratifying. Um, I do some other philanthropy work as well that uh, I, you know, I just enjoy doing. I just like giving back to people. I, I think a lot of that came from my, uh, 
my mom, um, who passed away six years ago, but she's just one of those people that was always, you know, she was always there. She was always giving back to yeah. people. So it's great. Yeah, it it definitely makes you feel good when you're able to give back. Yeah, and that's the other great part about uh, you know growing in your in your career is that you know you know maybe early on you can volunteer at the food shelter. You don't have any thing to resources to give you for that. But as you grow in your life. Yep. There's more opportunities that kind of come to you, or sometimes organically, and then yeah. you know you get passionate about uh, the subject, and then you can give back. Yeah. Uh, so it's a really cool thing, I think, in general. Yeah, it's a good feeling. Uh, you know, watching. You know, I was, I was telling someone this morning. You know, if you see a kid light up, right? Once you give them the computer. Yeah. Right. We talked about this earlier. Um, you know, there's there's just nothing more gratifying than that because they've never they've never had a laptop before or a desktop, so. Yeah, that's really, really cool. So keep, keep up the great work. Thank you. Uh, I want to kind of open it up to you. Uh, any hot topics or anything that you want to bring up? Well, I, you know, I think um, I'm really passionate about this business uh, that, you know, I'm, people ask me all the time, you're 64 years old, man, you're going to retire soon? I'm not, no, no, not a chance that that'll happen anytime soon. I, I could never, you know, I, I told you, I like, I like golf. I like fly fishing. I like traveling, but I like I like doing what I'm doing, and helping companies align their brand and culture is uh, is a lot of fun. I enjoy that. Um, I enjoy my TV shows, man. I've got uh, the team team talk and Rain, Rainmakers Roundup. You're going to be on Rainmakers soon. I also do morning coffee. Um, I'm writing a book. I'm writing a chapter in a book, not the whole book, but it's all in collectibles. Um, I'm excited about that. There's a fellow that uh, is a, uh, a former radio personality at WABC Radio in New York, Bill Bresden, and I are writing the book together. And my chapter is on cars. Okay. So I love cars. Um, you know, my uh, the car of my dreams is 69 Camaro SS Super Sport. It's a fun car. Uh, I'm going to get that uh, this year. You know, we, I just kept putting it off for some reason, and, and, and not anymore. So that's my hot topic, man. That's uh, that's what I'm up to, and uh, Bill keeps pushing me to keep writing. And you know, it's sometimes you hear about those mental blocks. I don't have any mental blocks about writing. I I just keep writing. That's good. It's easy for you then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're passionate about all of it, all yeah. of your initiatives yeah, here. Thanks. So um, that's a great thing. Uh, just for our, our fans, what's the best way to get in touch with you if they want to, whether it be uh, you know some of your your philanthropic efforts or uh, just in general. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate it. Um, you can get me at uh, mark.iorio at getbcat.com. It's G-E-T-B-C-A-T dot uh, com or miorio at themegagroup.com. Either one of those two emails work. I always have my cell with me, 609-577-4306. Uh, the uh, TDI Connect is www.tdiconnect.org. So, Rob, thanks. Mark, thanks for being here today. My pleasure. pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you. You're welcome.